word of God is living and active. Man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. We exist, the world around us exists because you spoke it into being. And Father, all we need right now is a word. We need a good word from you, a good word from your good book. So would you bind up the broken this evening? Would you give strength to where it's lacking? Would you give courage to where there's a lot of fear and doubt? Would you give love to where it's just feel, our hearts feel loveless right now? To the hardened heart, to the callous heart, would you soften it and warm it? Would you make the dead come to life? And all of this is accomplished for the power of your spoken word. So again, we pray, speak, open the eyes of our hearts that we might hear, believe, and receive. Thank you this evening, God. We pray that as we continue on in worship in its various forms, you would speak through all things. Guide us now as we, as we enjoy hearing you. We pray this evening. Amen. Acts 25, verses 1 through 12. Now three days after Festus has arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul, and they urged him, asking as a favor against Paul that he summon him to Jerusalem, oh, sorry, because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea, and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So, he said, let the men of authority among you go down with me, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. And after he stayed among them, not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. And when he had arrived, the Jews, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Paul argued in his defense, Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I committed any offense. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal, where I ought to be tried. To the Jews, I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his counsel, answered, To Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. Father, we continue to ask for your presence and your blessing upon us. Thank you for the word that was read. We pray that you'd put it where it belongs, in our hearts, in our minds, that it flesh out through our hands. Guide us as we observe um, and awaken us to the power of your word in Christ's name. Lord, as we study, please, please speak. Give us faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Raise your hand. If you guys own a planner, okay, that's about 75% of the house. Keep it up. Keep it up high. Raise your hand if you own a planner. Okay, no, keep your hand up. 
if you use the planner. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Okay, hands down, hands down, hands down. Um, growing up, I never, I mean, I've owned planners because at school they give them to you, but I haven't really used them. Uh, I never really started using it actually until I started reading my Bible. Because then I was like, as I read my Bible, I was like, okay, I actually got to plan when I'm going to do this stuff that I'm reading. And that's actually when I really started using my planner. That was around high school time. Um, a planner is a great tool. You know, uh, I think I'm speaking to a, a crowd that most of us use a planner. So I think that I can get some amens there. You like your planners. You like to, you know, jot them down. I like having my list of stuff I'm going to do. And I like plugging it into the time that I'm going to do it. And I don't know about you, but for those of us who use the planners, do you enjoy it? Or is it purely discipline? Like, I had to learn to enjoy it. I never enjoyed it. And the discipline actually became a delight. But um, planners are great tools, but planners can also be um, difficult, right? Uh, difficult in the, in the idea. It's nice when you have all your plans and they come, they plan out. It's frustrating when you have all your plans and nothing seems to go according to plan. Amen? Yeah, that's a very difficult uh thing in life right um something that as we read the bible that we are going to see and you see it from genesis genesis all the way to revelation is that many are the plans of a man's heart whether it's a wicked man or a righteous man all these men have plans everyone has plans and for the most part most of the time those plans don't pan out exactly the way You'd imagined it. Think of from January this year, you have made plans, had you not? Some of you are making plans tonight. Don't you have them? Now, history and life and even the Bible tells me there's a good chance those plans won't pan out exactly as you hope. And just right out the front, that, that does, when we hear that initially, that's a bummers, right? Doesn't that suck? It doesn't mean don't make plans, but it just the reality is, is a lot of the plans you make are just not going to turn out exactly the way you had hoped for. Let me read you some scripture. Proverbs 16, verse 1 through 4, it says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord, meaning in my heart I have a plan, but God, what God says is what goes. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. You know, you ever make plans and you're like, oh, that sounds so good. Let's do it. We're going to watch Top Gun. You know, there's a plan or, you know, we're going to go here and do that. Or we're going to take this trip at this time of the year. Or we're going we're gonna to get married or we're going to start having children at this time of life. Or, you know, there's in our own eyes, it, it, it's pure. But then it says this, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that'll stand. I went uh, golfing recently with uh, Vic, who recently joined the church. And we didn't go golfing because he joined the church, just, just happened to be like that. But we went golfing. And um, we we're on the, the course doing our round. It's probably the first nine because we're still getting warmed up, obviously, because we're not doing so well. But I remember we were at a hole. I don't know what hole it was. It was probably the first nine, somewhere in there. And, and you'll remember this. We're at the hole. And it was a longer distance kind of shot. And Victor and I are at the tee. And we both have plans. We have big plans. Our plan is to get the ball to the green as quick and straight as possible. That's the plan, right? And that's the plan. And we both have the same purpose. 
I want to get my hole, my ball in the hole quicker, sooner than later. So, you know, we take our set and we, we do our thing. And apparently God had other plans. You know, it didn't go as straight or far or as quick. I'm so thankful we had a golf cart because if we didn't have a golf cart, we would, I would have burned a lot of calories on that one hole walking back and forth to my ball. Like we were literally zigzagging all the way up to the green. And, you know, when we finally got to the green, Victor said something. And he, I don't know if you realize how profound it was what he said. And he was like, wow, well, hey, many different paths, but we same destination. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, that is like so my life. You know, I was like, that's so the Christian faith though. Like, like um, both Victor and I had plans. Our plans may have differed. I, I had planned to see that first shot like, and like fall in a place that I could see it. And that was not what happened. You know, um, we were all over the map. But when it came down to it, we were both at the green. You know, and by the grace of God, we somehow made par, <laughs> right? But but here's the thing, though. When, when he said that, it really made me think, like, like, what if I told you that as a Christian, Jesus, God, says, okay, you, every season of life you come to, every hole, every different tee-off you come to, you're going to have an idea and a plan of how you're going to get there. And you might have a good plan. But what if I told you God would say, but I just want to, okay, it might not go all according to plan, but I want to promise you this, kid. You're going to get to the green. You're going to get there. Because something that the Bible tells me, and I, and I wanted to read this to you guys on last before we get into it. In Psalm 37, 5, it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will act. He will act. The heart of a man's plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps, his plans, his purposes, God, God's purpose will happen. You know, when God says something is going to happen, and I just thought to myself, man, in life, I'm going to make a lot of plans. You're going to make a lot of plans and they won't turn out exactly how it meant. But, but, but if you're a Christian and your heart is God's heart, your purpose is his purpose. You can with confidence know, regardless of how this week goes, regardless of how swervy my route is, I'm getting to the green. He promised me, I'm going to finish this hole. I'm going to finish this race. And I don't know about you, but to know that the Lord's plan and his purpose stands forever as a child of God, that gives me so much rest and peace. It gives me so much confidence. So, I mean, the question before we actually get into the message, though, I just want to pose to you guys is, if I told you that, would that give you peace? Or is your peace more found in your way, your plan? It's got to happen the way you say. I got plans, baby. I got things I'm going to do. And if that doesn't happen, your world falls apart. Would that give you peace? Would that be good news? Because guys... God's plan, the Lord's plan, it always stands. There's nothing that anyone can do to mess up God's plans, to thwart his plans. We're going to see in this story, as we read, that there's a lot of enemies that got a lot of plans to take out Paul. 
And we saw two chapters ago, part of this plan is you're going to Rome, baby. And you're going to preach there. Because my purpose is the gospel going and reaching everyone and people being saved. Now, Paul doesn't know exactly how he's going to get to Rome. But what does he do know? I'm going to get there. You have plans in your life tonight. You have hopes and dreams. They may not all pan out as you hope for, but if your purposes align with God's, then you can guarantee that it'll stand. And probably the way God will have it pan out will be a trillion times better than you could have ever imagined. I've known that to be in my life. So we're going to walk through this 12 verses and we're going to see that the Lord's plan stands. We're going to see enemies try to mess up that plan and none of it's going to, none of it's going to change. So let's get on. Let's keep going. Um, Verse one, now three days after Festus arrived. So Felix was the last governor, new kid on the block. And he arrives just three days and he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea and here comes the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews and they lay their case. Now, this is just interesting to know. I mean, three days, he just got into office. These guys don't waste any time. It's like two years, they couldn't touch Paul. Okay, now there's a new governor in town. Here's the opportune time to shake him loose. You see that? So they get in there and they start to lay their case out against Paul. Nothing new we've never seen. And they're urging him now. And now this is, I want you to see this. They're asking for a favor. Now, why? Because if you're a new governor, typically when someone comes into office, a pol- you're going to play politics. This is the time to play politics. Why? Because politicians want to be liked by the people. So it's very common for a new governor to get all these emails of favors, especially if it's a group or a party that you want to impress. The Jews is, they're big dogs over there and you don't want, the Jews to have an uprise. So now they're like, oh, perfect. Let's play, let's play some politics right now. We got a new governor. Let's go butter him up and ask a favor. Okay, you see what's going down? So they go, they plead their case, and they ask the favor. And the favor is against Paul. And they ask, hey, can you summon him to Jerusalem? Now, whether Festus knew this or not, Luke seems to just put it on the side. This is a side note. This is why. They're asking this favor because they're planning to kill him. Now, someone brought this up in observation time. These guys still want to kill Paul. I want to make the point here. First point, the enemy is still on the prowl. This is a great reminder, guys. You would think maybe after two years it would fizzle down. No. No, no, no. The, the, The attacks of the enemy are constantly coming at the Christian. They're still planning. They're still plotting. Think, pause right now. Just pause. There's evil out there planning and plotting against you and I right now. We have this whole world of evil and your flesh planning to get you, to get you, knock you off your course. Why is this important for us to know? First Peter chapter five, verse eight, it reads like this. You write it down and I'll read it to you. Actually, why don't you turn there? I think this one's worthy of reading with your eyeballs. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's turn there. Let's turn there. We're talking about the enemy is on the prowl. And this is important for us to know. 
The hating Jews are being used by the enemy to attack Paul because he is a Christian carrying the gospel. First Peter chapter five, we'll pick it up at verse eight. It says this, be sober. You see that? Don't be drunk. Don't get intoxicated. Don't be all emotional. Don't be all over the place. Focus, man. Focus, woman. Focus, Christian. Have a clear mind. And then he says, be watchful. Clear mind, clear eyes. Be alert and attentive. Why? Your adversary. Christian, don't forget you have an adversary. Every midweek, we walk in, and there's a good chance you're walking in feeling tired. You're feeling off. You're feeling spent. You're feeling down. You're feeling discouraged. Why? Think about it. You have an adversary. There's someone that's picking at you all day, all week. Your adversary, and here's his name, the devil. You wonder why it's so hard to read your Bible. You wonder why it's so hard to pray. You wonder why it's so hard to show up at gatherings like such. Well, you and I, we have an adversary, the devil, and look at what he's doing. He's prowling. Now, those of us who hunt in Hawaii, we don't have to worry about much predators like this. It's just don't get lost and don't get cold, and that's it. You know, there's not much predators, not even much bugs. Even the snakes are nice here. But if we were in the mainland, there's a lot of predators. And what predators do is they stalk, they follow, they prowl, they go back and forth. And when they find a victim or they find a prey, they get in position. This is the word prowling, your adversary, the devil. Now think about that. That's crazy, right? You're taking a nap this afternoon. It's prowling. You're in the car driving. In the dead moments of your day when you're most unconscious of God, just remember this. He's prowling. We got to be sober-minded. We got to be alert. Like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. See, I don't think Paul is unaware that the enemy's prowling. So when the two years were up and he sees all this happening, he's probably like, of course. But I wonder for those of us tonight, are you aware? Are you aware that the enemy's still after you and I? Don't forget. Don't fall asleep. Stay awake. And I preach to myself. I got to stay focused. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, with Cain and Abel, right? Verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? This is God speaking to Cain. If you do not do well, sin is crouching, crouching at the door. It desires it's contrary for you. It wants you. If you and I don't focus and wake up and recognize that there's an enemy, what, what's going to happen is you can get you blindsided. See, the Bible is so good because it, te- it tells us, hey, watch out. It gives us the warning. So brothers, sisters, just out, out of the outset, when we see stuff like this and the enemy attacking Paul again and again, it's a reminder for us. We're being hunted. So wake up. Paul says we're not unaware of the schemes. Remember, the spirit of the world, 
your flesh, this age, this life that we're living in, until Christ comes, until we clock out and go home, we're always going to be up against the enemy. But take heart. Take heart. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You know what's the best part about me knowing that he's prowling? What's even better is I know who I am. I'm a child of God. You can come at me, bring it. I got my sword. I got my shield. I got my church. I got my brothers and sisters. Let's go. I see you. But see, is that how you walk your Christian life? Do you see your sin? Do you detect it? Really? No, I see what you're doing. I got you. I got you. We got to be aware. Be aware. And I just pray for anyone in the house tonight. If this week has been a week of slumber or a week of snoozing spiritually, and you've been getting snared again and again by the same sins again and again, hear the word of the Lord tonight. You have an enemy that's prowling, but you have a Jesus who saved you. And as we're going to move on and see, this is why Paul, I think, is such an amazing example because he is a Christian and he is not punked. He's not, he's not taken and overcome by the enemy. And, and I want to get through this because I think Paul is such a great example and he's an encouragement because when you read of Paul and how he handles this, how he handles these attacks, remember this, you're a Christian just like him. These things are on the page so you can see what you can do. All right. But anyway, the first thing is the enemy is still on the prowl. Let's be aware of him. Let's keep going. Verse four. Now, Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. Now, this is just really neat. It just so happened that when they're trying to get Paul lynched and ambush him, just at that moment, Festus is like, hey, actually, I was planning to go down there. Interesting. Coincidence? No. This is the sovereign providence of God at work. So anyway, we see that. He's like, hey, I'm about to go down there. Verse 5. So he, so said he, let the men of the authority among you go down with me. And if there's anything wrong about the man, let them bring their charges. That's what they did not want to hear. They did that already two years ago, right? So they, oh, you know, bring him back to Jerusalem. Actually, I'm on, I'm on my way there. You guys want to come? You press your charges over there. Inwardly, the Jews are like, <clears throat> <clears throat> and then it reads on, right? After he stayed among them for more than eight, ten days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. Now, when he had arrived, the Jews had come down from Jerusalem. They all stood around him. Look at that. Literally, hard-pressed on every side. You see a little bit of a violence getting in there. They're literally all around him. like They're doing the bully thing. He's just ganging up around Paul. They haven't seen him for two years. He brings him out, and they're all like, what, what, what? You know, <laughs> Paul's just, right? But this is what's happening. And they're all around him, and they're bringing all these serious charges. And here's the thing. They're just blowing a bunch of smoke. See, they couldn't prove him wrong. See, multiple times again and again, I'm already losing count how many times Paul's life has been threatened, how many times the enemy tried to pounce. But here's what we're going to see. The Lord frustrates the plans of the enemy. He frustrates it. Remember, the Lord's not tripping. He's not trembling. At these guys making their threats. At them coming and chest bumping him. The Lord's not tripping and Paul's not tripping either. But look, every single time they tried to be shrewd about it. Get the governor to send him. Doesn't work. They go there. They try to intimidate him and bring all this smoke. Doesn't work. They can't prove it. 
Psalm 33 verse 10 says this, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. Just understand that. When you turn your TV on and you see a lot of plots and plans of wicked plans going on, the worst that you and I can imagine, and even if it appears like they're winning, guys, it may appear like the enemy's plan is working. Know this. Know this. They will not succeed. The Lord will always win. He frustrates the plans of the enemies. He's frustrating these Jews. And I just, I love that about our God. And you can take great comfort in that. Take great comfort in that. That whatever plans are being plotted against you and your faith, it won't win. Let's keep going. Verse 8. So Paul argues in his defense. Okay, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar. So that's probably what they were all getting all nuts about. And all those serious charges, they were they were probably saying, you know, you broke the Jewish law. You broke the temple law. No. Okay, you, you broke Caesar's law. And Paul's saying, I didn't break any of these things. And so we don't know the other dialogue in there in his defense and how he proved, they, but they couldn't prove him guilty of these things. So Festus, now at this point, interesting, because at first he didn't send him to Jerusalem. He could have. He said, you know, I'm going down there. Why don't you come? But now he's, okay, now he wants to do the Jews a favor, which is just interesting. But look at how he tries to do it. He suggested in a question, like, oh, so Paul, um, because he's a citizen, what do you want to do? Hey, you, you want to go to Jerusalem? And I love that how Paul responds. He's so wise. He's like, no, I'm, I'm at the right place. This is where I need to be tried. And he, he states this again emphatically. I didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing in their charges against me. No one can give me up to them. Then. Here's what I want us to see in this whole case. Under the pressures of evil, right? Paul has been attacked again and again. A lot of pressure on him. And I say pressures of evil, not just, not just the pressures of the law right now, because I want us to even rewind to Felix times. Remember, Felix was trying to, get, hoping he would bribe, get a way out. You got to imagine, Paul's been in jail for two years. He's human like us. Don't think that there wasn't pressures and temptations to get out of this easy. He could have. Don't think he could have blackmailed Felix at the time and been like, hey, dude, you were about to flog me. And I didn't, I didn't turn you in. I think you should let me go. So when I say pressures of evil, I'm, I want us to imagine all the pressure Paul might have been feeling at this particular moment in his life. Because amidst all those pressures, here's what we see. Paul kept a Christ-like character. He kept a clear conscience before God. In the heat of the battle, he didn't buckle. He didn't renounce the faith. He kept his character. I did nothing wrong. Why is that so big? Because Paul is a living example of being above reproach. Can you imagine if Paul did in some way break the rules, bend it a little, give into his flesh a little, then he would be an example for the, for the Gentiles to blaspheme his God and his faith. Oh, Christian, eh? you're just like us, Paul. No, but Paul kept the straight and narrow all through the pressures. 
of evil. Brothers, sisters, do our lives contradict our profession of faith? When you are feeling the pressures of evil and temptation to cut corners or renounce faith or whatever, are you giving in? Now, Paul is so clear and confident that he even says, I don't even seek to escape death. Now, I don't know about you, but this was so gold for me because I was like, guys, when you read of Paul, don't see some superstar that's unattainable. Why would Luke put all these things in there? Because we're Christians. You know what the Bible does? When you see a Christian, you say, that's possible for me. You and I can live godly Christ-like lives in the pressures of a dark, evil world. You can. Why? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Don't look at this and be discouraged. Look how amazing Paul is. Look at it and be encouraged. The same Christ that conquered the grave, the same spirit that abides in Paul, abides in you. I believe everyone in this house here tonight can live a Christ-like godly life here on out by the power of God and by his grace. We can, be, we can do this. We can get to a place where, like Paul will say, I don't even seek to escape death. A.W. Tozer says this. He says, it's not death, but sin that should be our greatest fear. It's not death, but sin that should be our greatest fear. You know why Paul's not afraid to die? Because he's the one who said to live as Christ, to die is gain. He knows that when he dies, he stands before the righteous, holy God, and he is not at odds with God. God's not angry with Paul anymore. He's cleansed. He's pure. He's whole. And he's living it, man. He's living it. From Acts 9, sure, he stumbled and fall and had his moments of shortcomings, but he is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is a call to us that under the pressures of life and evil and temptation, you and I, we can walk like this. You can overcome. Do you know what amazing ability you have as a child of God? Are you aware of it? He carried himself with this cool and calm anointing. I just, literally, he's being hard-pressed on every side. If it was me, I would have been tempted to just false one of those guys. <laughs> Everyone's bumping me. already, You know, like just, I would probably have broken. I don't know. But I'm also preaching to myself, like, no, maybe not. Because the same spirit that's in Paul is the same spirit that can be in me. So if that moment ever does happen in Chris Morales' life, that I get arrested unjustly because that could happen, your pastor could get locked up and put in a car right now because I'm preaching a gospel that might be offensive to the world and I will be charged with hate speech, that's real. And if that day comes, I will, we will meditate on texts like this and we will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, overcome evil with good. We're going to be like this guy. We're going we're gonna to be like it says in 1 Peter 3. It says, don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. This is what Paul's doing. But on the contrary, bless. It says, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Paul did that. Turn away from evil. Paul did that. Seek peace and pursue it. Paul did that. Verse 14, if you should suffer for righteousness sake, which is what Paul is doing, have no fear of them. That's Paul. He ain't scared. I love this. 
I love this, man. I hope they have this on tape so we can watch it in heaven. Give me one of those cases you just want to see. He's a beast right now. Have no fear of them. Don't be troubled. Paul's not troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Paul is doing this victoriously. And, he, and it says, Peter says, do it with gentleness and respect. Paul is doing this. Have a good conscience. Paul has this. And when you're slandered, Paul was slandered. Those who revile you, he's been reviled. Reviling your good behavior in Christ. May they be put to shame. You know what ends up happening at this case? Those guys who came with all the hate and the accusations, they leave that case that day, shame. They couldn't prove nothing wrong. How, how shame is that? You came all the way down there, all your volume, hurling your accusations, none of it flies. You airballed all of them. That's how we are to live, church. And that's how we can live. Can you imagine if you and I, all of us here, we live such godly lives that even if people tried to falsely accuse us, say all kinds of junk behind our backs, push us into courts, mess up, get, get, in, the, get in there and try to, to, to mess you and I over, can you imagine you and I were living such godly lives that they'll be, put, they'll be embarrassed? That's so dope. I just want to remind us that this is all on paper because it's an example of how you and I can live. I want to bring out the ability that you have in Jesus tonight. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted. Now hear this, beyond your ability. You feel the pressure of sin? You leave this place tonight and you get tempted or there's a plot of evil against you and you're in a bad circumstance and you feel the pressure? Know this, you have the ability, Paul says, to stand up under it. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He will also provide a way to escape that you may be able to endure it. Do you know what crazy ability you have, child of God? The most intense temptation of hell can knock on your door. But because you are a Christian, and because you have the Holy Spirit abiding in you, and you have a Bible, which is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, you have the ability to slay sin like it's nobody's business. Paul is a sin slayer. And we read of him like that to be encouraged. Because so can you be. So you are. But not only to slay sin. Paul is slaying sin. But he's also someone who's sent. I still remember for me. Those beginning days of recognizing who I am in Christ. And um, I remember my choices. Like, um, you know, like when, when, when I was in, in high school and the pressures of sin would come at me. And I, I still remember to this very day, like even I was at a house party not too far from here. And all the pressures of sin were around me. And I don't know what consumed me, but now I know it was the power of Christ to get up and leave. I don't care if my car's blocked in. I walked out. I felt like super sane. I remember being at dances and club scenes and just, run, just walking away. What happened? This is who I am in Christ. 
See, guys, I wonder if this evening, some of you, you're unaware of the plots and schemes that the enemy's been coming at you, and you're unaware of who you are in Christ. So when the temptation hits, you, you have the ability, but you just don't take it. You got a sword, but you leave it on the ground. Pick it up, man. Where's your shield? I never know I had shield. You have a shield. Hello. Like, if we realized who we are in Christ and what we have, oh, my gosh. The enemy can't touch us. This is who you are. You're a sin slayer. And you're not only that, you are a saint that is sent. I still remember the moments in my life. And this is happening simultaneously. Like I was renouncing all these, these selfish, sinful, fleshly urges. But at the same time, I remember being consumed with like street preaching. Any soul that was around me. I remember for the one year I was in Indiana, the one year I was in college, I remember walking the streets there and just giving it to anybody who would listen to me. I remember looking, going to homeless shelters, signing up for the next to be the next preacher because they need guys to come down there and preach to the homeless people when they're feeding them food. I just was like, I remember when those first promptings were happening and I was doing it. I'm doing it. I'm like, what's happening to me? I, I still remember even when I when I started to make plans in my life and the decisions I was making, I was like, who is this guy? You know, like it's not about fame anymore. It's not about trying to, you know, live my, my best life now and, and get known with soccer and all that kind of stuff. And I was walking away from a scholarship to go into ministry and just do what I believe God called. Like what, what, who does that? A Christian does that. It's the kind of stuff Paul does, but it's the kind of stuff you and I do can do. If, if you're aware of who you are in Christ, don't be unaware of the enemy and don't be unaware of who you are. When I show up at church and I look around this room, I don't just see church buddies. I see soldiers. I see saints. I see citizens of the kingdom. I see supernatural people who can slay sin. Don't tell yourself you cannot. That language does not come from God. You can. You can do all things through Christ. You can. You have the ability to stand up under that thing. You have the ability by the grace of God, like Titus says, to renounce all that ungodliness. You can. So you can go and walk into a room. And it's filled with demons and darkness. I tell my son every day when I'm driving to church, when I, leave, when I say goodbye, daddy's going to go fight demons and dragons. Okay, daddy, pray for me. Go, go, daddy. Because I am and I can. Not because of who I am. Not because I'm cool or smart or educated or strong. None of that matters in this fight. But I can because I have Christ, I have the word of God, and I have the Holy Spirit. I have the power of the resurrection in my body. And so do you. Awaken, church. Awaken, young man, young woman. Awaken, Christian. Because you and I are at war. And there's an enemy. But we won. Paul says, you and I, we're more than conquerors. It's wild to me. And not just power to slay sin or to be sent, but power to see heaven. Paul is so fixed and focused on the other, the next life. That's why he says, I'm not afraid to die. If I die, I'm just passing over. 
I want to see the world the way Paul sees it. I want to see the world the way God wants us to see it. Do you? So he closes like this. He says, okay, so I appeal to Caesar. He pulls out his citizen's card. And Paul knows, Jesus told me I can go to Rome. And wow, look at, look at how God's providence is working out. The governor's asking me what I want to do. It's like, oh, you get to get to Rome. Because <laughs> I got to go Rome. I, I didn't know how I was going to get there, but now you're making it very clear. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he conferred with his council, answered, to Caesar you have appealed. To Caesar you shall go. The word of God being fulfilled. God used in his providence Felix to protect Paul and to advance the gospel, gospel among the imperial guard. We saw that last week, right? Now God is using Festus to send Paul to Rome. Here's the last thing to close. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. Forever. Psalm 33, verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands firm forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Guys, from generation to generation, from age to age, men will rise up and make their plans and do whatever they think is right in their own eyes. They're going to try to do their best damage. Their plan won't stand. God's going to frustrate it. The enemy's going to come at us, but he's not going to get very far. God will frustrate it. But we know our God's plans will stand. We may not know how it's going to happen, but we know it is. You know, one of the reasons I love the faith and I love the Bible, I love being a Christian, is this book right here, God's will, his word, his ways, his plans, his purposes. This news, it's a news that you and I can trust. There's all sorts of news nowadays, but you don't know how reliable those things are. I don't care what news channel you watch. You don't know how reliable those things are. This is the one book you and I have. You can always read this and know. Whatever he says is going to happen. It's going to come to pass. That's why these promises like trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, your own plan. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll make your path straight. He'll direct your path. That's why they're so dear to our hearts. That's why things like Romans 8, 28 is so dear. We know... We know that for those who God loves, he's working out all things for the good. His plans are always going to come to pass. The certainty of God's promises, it's a Hebrews chapter 6 says it's an anchor for your soul. In closing, this is what I hope. This week, tonight, we're going to leave. You're going to have plans. Make your plans. Just commit it to the Lord. But understand this. That whether those plans come to pass the way that you hope for or imagine, the purpose of the Lord will stand. And that will anchor your soul. I got plans for my marriage. I have plans for my family. I have plans for this church. But you know what the purpose is? The glory of God and the good of his people, the gospel advancing. That's the purpose. So whatever plans I make, it's to that aim. And I'll make certain plans. And they're probably not going to pan out, how's I hope. 
the plans I have for our church may not come to fruition exactly the way I hope. But I know this, the purpose of the Lord is going to stand. It's going to happen. God will be glorified. His gospel will be spread. And therefore, I rest in peace. And you know what? I just enjoy the ride. I'm like me and Victor on the golf course, except now with a, if, I, if we had that heart when we teed off and we saw our ball go, if we had that theology, be like, it's all right, good shot. We'll see how God gets us to the green. You know, but we didn't have that. We were like, oh my gosh, right? But that's the, that's the thing. I hope and pray that tomorrow when you take that next step, in the moment when you feel the pressures or the turns and the twists of life, don't trip. Don't trip. He's got you. His plans, his purpose will stand. Just make sure your heart's aligned with him. Delight yourself in the Lord. Right? Paul is going to Rome. But we got we to gotta zoom out now. Get that big picture view. Why is Paul going to Rome, guys? What's the purpose of this? Not for vacation. Not, that's right. The gospel needs to go. That's God's purpose. The gospel's got to keep going. Acts 1.8. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. God's glory has got to be just shining everywhere. That's the big purpose in game. So we'll, we'll, we'll close in this way. Um, in a moment, I just want you to pause right now and just kind of do some reflection. Think of the plans that you have. Think of the, 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 the hopes and dreams you have presently fresh right now. Just think of them. Find them. And I want to encourage you in prayer right now, commit it to the Lord. Even assess yourself, like, what's the purpose of those plans? Are those plans aligned with God's purposes? And if they're not, here's your chance. Lord, I repent. Help me. Change my heart, oh God. I'm going to give us a couple minutes to, to pray. I want to close with singing a song. So I'll go ahead and get set up there. But while I'm doing that, here's your chance to pause and commit your plans to the Lord. Okay, go ahead and do that.
Father, sooner than we know it, faith will meet our eyes. Sooner than we know it, we won't be praying as we are now with our eyes closed and our heads bowed. But we'll be before the throne of grace, the King of Kings, and all will be well. We'll make it to the end. So please, God, grant us perseverance. Grant us endurance. Grant us strength and faith. We pray that these precious promises of trusting you with all our heart, when things seem to cave in or plans don't go according, that our hearts in those moments would be strong. We'd stand on the rock. Our souls would be anchored. We wouldn't be shook. So please, Lord, make us such a people. We know that you can and we know that you will. Allow us all to rise up and live the life that we are called to live. You saved us, Lord, from, by your grace. You saved us to send us. And you're sending us to point more eyes to heaven. So keep us looking upward as we trek together. We love you, Lord. Keep us abiding in this love. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's children's name. Amen. Love you guys. You're dismissed.